0: the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord direct his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to God, to the God of my life. I say to, the, to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet yet praise him, my Savior and my God, amen.
1: Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for the chance now to look at Psalm 42. And as the psalmist says, why my soul are you downcast? And God, we acknowledge that for some of us today, for some of us over the past year or so, we have been downcast. Whoa, excuse me. That was very illustrative of downcast. (laughs) And so God, we do pray as we now turn our attention to these words that you would meet us, not only with information, but transformation as we encounter Jesus. We pray all this together in His name. Amen. We've been, for the past few weeks, in a series looking at the book of Psalms. And what we've been saying is the book of Psalms are a mirror to the soul. That is, if you look at the book of Psalms, you see reflected every possible human emotion. And what we learn in the book of Psalms is how to bring those emotions how to bring our whole selves to God. Now, today we come to Psalm 42. And in this psalm, we read about a condition that will come upon you if you're engaged in any kind of spiritual journey, any kind of spiritual pilgrimage. The psalm doesn't say if this happens to you, but it's just a matter of when. And I have to say that in my life, Psalm 42 has been a friend. It's been a companion in some of my hardest moments. And I hope that as we look at this psalm together today, we get a language, a vocabulary, not just for the condition that's being described, but also the way that you can bring yourself to God in the midst of it. And so, we're going to look today at Psalm 42 as a kind of meditation to guide us through what can be some of the hardest moments, some of the hardest seasons in our life. And so here's the outline for today's sermon. I have four points if you're a note taker, but four things that we're going to be considering. First, the condition that this psalm describes. Second, the factors that can contribute to this condition. Third, the remedies that the psalm offers. And then finally, the great physician that our souls need. So the condition that the psalm describes the factors that contribute to that condition, the remedies that we need, and the great physician for our soul. So let's take a look. What is first the condition that the psalm describes? And it's there in verse 1. Let me read it to you again. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Now it's a metaphor, but here's the image. The psalmist is like a deer. And a deer has gone down to get a drink of water from the riverbed. But when the deer gets there, they find that the riverbed is all dried up. And the psalmist is saying, in effect, I am like that deer, and God has become to me like a dried up riverbed. That's the condition. Spiritual dryness. Spiritual dryness. He's thirsting after God. He's hungry for God, but he can't find him. He's longing for God, but is finding no satisfaction. And as we look at the rest of the psalm, we see this condition further unpacked. So, for example, look with me down at verse 2. The psalmist says, when will I meet with God? Now, that word literally means, when am I going to see God's face? To talk about the face is to talk about intimacy. It's to talk about closeness. The psalmist is saying, when am I going to have the presence of God again? when am I going to feel God's closeness to me? Verse 3, where is your God? Other people looking at the psalmist and saying, you used to be close to God, but now it looks like God is far away from you. And then verse 9, maybe the most poignant question of all, the psalmist says, why have you forgotten me? Isn't that a terrible feeling to think that you've been forgotten by someone? That someone has abandoned you? Well, that's how the psalmist feels about God. He's been forgotten by God. He's been abandoned by God. Now, friends, here's what I need you to see, and this is really crucial. As the psalmist is describing his experience of spiritual dryness, all of those questions imply that he believes God exists. He knows God is out there. He's not doubting the existence of God, but he's lost his sense of the closeness of God the reality of God. God doesn't feel real to him anymore. God feels distant, God feels absent. And that's the condition of spiritual dryness. It's in your life, whether it's a day or whether it's a prolonged season where you feel like I'm seeking God, I'm searching for him, I'm longing for him, and he's gone. I remember reading one woman describing her experience of spiritual dryness, and she said it felt like God packed up, moved on, and left no forwarding address. And then later she went on to say to God, this is a terrible time for you to be playing hide and seek. It's this longing, it's this desperation, I need God, but I can't find him. I'm longing for him, but he's avoiding me. And this psalm, as we continue to go through it, it describes how this condition of spiritual dryness can come upon you. So I won't go through the text in detail, but if you look at verses 1 through 5, the text basically says that spiritual dryness sometimes comes into your life slowly, slowly. So think again of the image of the deer. You know, deer are not dumb animals. And so if a deer is dying of thirst, that means that there's been a drought, a prolonged season of no rain. So that slowly and almost imperceptibly, the water goes away to the point where eventually the deer or the psalmist says, I'm dying of thirst. So sometimes spiritual dryness, it happens slowly, imperceptibly. And then you take stock, you do some reflection, and you say, wait a second, it's been a long time since I've actually encountered the presence of God. There are other times, though, in our life, and you get this down in verse 7, where spiritual dryness doesn't come slowly, but it comes crashing down. That's why in verse 7, the author describes, the waves are breaking over me. It's actually quite ironic that in the beginning of the psalm, spiritual dryness is, I'm thirsting for God, and I can get no satisfaction. Later in the psalm, it's, this is too much water. The storm is crashing down on me. And now I'm being overwhelmed by the chaos and circumstances of life. And friends, let me just say, for many of you, right now or in times past, and for all of us at some point in the future, spiritual dryness, a sense of God absence, is going to come into your life. Sometimes it happens slowly and imperceptibly. Other times it comes crashing down because of an event or a circumstance, something goes wrong, and you feel like all of a sudden you're drowning. That's where our psalmist was, this condition of spiritual dryness. And what happens? Well, look with me, if you would, at verse 5 and 11. The psalmist asks in his condition of spiritual dryness, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? That's the result of someone who's experiencing spiritual dryness. They feel weighed down by sorrow. That's what it means to be downcast. It means you actually feel this kind of burden in the innermost part of yourself. And you know, friends, sometimes it's because of terrible circumstances in your life. But haven't some of you experienced that externally everything can be going right, but inside something feels heavy and off? Regardless of what's going on around you, sometimes our souls feel weighed down and burdened, downcast. That's spiritual dryness. A longing for God, a crying after God, but finding no satisfaction. Where is God? And when is he going to come to my rescue? When is he going to fix this? I remember years ago reading for the first time a book by C.S. Lewis. It's titled A Grief Observed. It's a short book, and I'd encourage you to read it if you haven't. But Lewis, in that book, is processing his own season of spiritual dryness in light of his wife's dying to cancer. And as he's reflecting on his relationship to God in the midst of his grief, listen to what he says. This is really profound. He says, why is it that when you're happy, God seems like an ever-present friend? But when you're suffering... God feels so absent. He gives this image of knocking on God's door only to hear a bolting and a double bolting on the inside. That is to say, the door is locked and I can't get in. And so, Lewis goes on to say, it's not that I'm in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger is in coming to believe such dreadful things about Him. The conclusion that I dread is not, well, there's no God after all, but actually, so this is what God is really like. Deceive yourself no longer. That's honest and raw. That's a condition of spiritual dryness. I know God is out there, but he's hiding himself from me. He's distant, and I can't find him. That's the condition that our psalmist is describing. Have you ever experienced a season of spiritual dryness? Are you in right now? If so, this psalm is for you. And so we see not only the condition that's described, but let me now show you secondly, the factors that contribute to it. So these are things in the psalm that we get a glimpse that shows us these factors can actually lead you into seasons of spiritual dryness. And if you're in a season of spiritual dryness, these factors can intensify and aggravate that feeling of God's absence. So let me show you, I'll do it quickly, but give you four of them. These are the factors that contribute to this condition. So the first is loneliness or a loss of community. Loneliness or a loss of community. In verse six, we're told that the psalmist is in Mount Hermon. Now, that would normally mean nothing to you, but Mount Hermon is in the very north of Israel. And the epicenter of religious life is down in the south, in the city of Jerusalem. What the psalmist is basically saying is, I'm far away from my friends. In verse four, he remembers that he used to go to the house of God with a festive throng. Nobody says festive throng today, but here's what he means. I remember going to church with my friends and I can't anymore. In other words, the condition that he's experiencing spiritual dryness, one of the factors is he's alone. He feels isolated from the people that he loves and from worship. And it's causing him to feel weighed down and he's grieving, loneliness and isolation. Now friends, is that not relevant for us? After a year and a half of pandemic, almost all of you, I bet, have had someone close to you leave this city because of something to do with the pandemic. All of us have had our rhythms of going to church interrupted. Some of us still are struggling with coming back to church to the festive throng. This is one of the factors that contributes to spiritual dryness, a loss of community and loneliness. Second factor that the psalm gives us, let's call it disappointment with the events of life. Disappointment with the events of life. Verse 3, there are some people around the psalmist. And they say to him, in his condition of suffering, they say, where is your God? Now, here's what that question implies. Let me paraphrase. If God is with you, why are you suffering the way that you are? Why is your life going the way that it is? Basically, it's people looking at the psalmist and saying, your life doesn't seem to be adding up the way you wanted it to. And sometimes that can be a factor that leads to spiritual dryness. You look at the events of your life, the circumstances of your life, and you say, it shouldn't be like this. Or I thought things would be different by now. I thought I've, I reached that goal or met that person or arrived in this place, but it hasn't panned out. Hopes remain unrealized. Expectations remain unfulfilled. Dreams are shattered. Where is your God? And so, that's another factor, disappointment with the events of life. Third factor, interestingly, I'm about to talk about being sick and my voice is going, so how about that? I'm not sick, but there you go. It's an illustration. Third factor, the psalmist, it seems, is physically unwell. He's ill. Look with me, if you would, there in the text, verse 3, he describes that my tears have been my food day and night. Now, that's poetry, but here's what it's pointing to his appetite is impacted, and he's not sleeping well. He's not functioning physically the way he's he's meant to. If you go down to verse 10 in the psalm, it says, My bones suffer mortal agony. Now, we read that quickly, but what's he saying? Everything hurts he's aching. And what one author reading this psalm concludes is that we can't minimize the fact that there's a physical component to our spiritual suffering, that there's a physicality to our personhood that matters. And so let me read to you, this is again from a quote from a pastor who before he became a pastor was a doctor. Listen to what he says. Does someone hold the view that as long as you are a Christian, it doesn't matter what the condition of your body is? Well, you will soon be disillusioned if you believe that. Physical conditions play their part in all of this. You cannot isolate the spiritual from the physical because we are body, mind, and spirit. So there's another factor, physicality, suffering, maybe even a kind of depression and physical illness that's actually contributing to this person's experience of God and joy in their spiritual life. And the fourth factor, quickly, homesickness. The psalmist seems to be homesick. This is kind of taking it all together. But again, remember, he's in verse 4 remembering how he used to go to church and be with his friends and everything was good. He's homesick. And he's comparing his present sadness with his past joy. And as he remembers the way things used to be, it fills him with longing for what he wants, but isn't experiencing. There's a kind of homesickness. And I wonder if you felt that. This idea, this experience in your life where you look around and you say, everything isn't quite what it should be. I'm longing for something that I haven't yet realized. I'm longing for something that I haven't attained. Those are the factors that can contribute to seasons of spiritual dryness. They can come suddenly, they can come slowly but those are the things that sometimes lead us into a sense or to an experience that God feels so far away. We're thirsting after him, but can find no satisfaction. So thankfully, the Psalm doesn't just leave us there. While it gives us the condition and it describes the factors that can contribute to it, we now turn our attention to the remedies. These are the things that the Psalm says can be like medicine, that if you take them, they go down into your soul and they begin to bring relief and comfort. So let me give you three other remedies, and then we'll talk about the great physician. But first, remedy that the psalm offers, and friends, I need you to hear this. Spiritual dryness is not punishment. Spiritual dryness is not punishment, and you're not alone in the midst of it. Sometimes people think, if God feels far away, if God feels distant, it must be because I've done something wrong. So God is punishing me. And I want you to know there are places in the Bible that do indicate that our experience of God can be interrupted by disobedience. That's true. But that's not what's happening in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, we are told that the psalmist is experiencing spiritual dryness, but we're not told why. In other words, you cannot look at Psalm 42 and say, this person is being punished for something wrong that he or she did. It's a mystery. It's a mystery as to why they're not experiencing God. It's a mystery as to why God feels so far away. It's kind of inexplicable. And you need to hear that because there are some of us who, when God feels far away, we feel like it's our fault you feel like, well, I must have done something wrong. I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible. I haven't been nice enough to so-and-so. And so God is punishing me. And you need to know that that may not be true. And that according to Psalm 42, sometimes spiritual dryness comes into your life inexplicably and mysteriously. And you also need to know you're not alone. Do you realize what good news it is for us that Psalm 42 is in the Bible? It's a reminder that if you're engaged in a spiritual journey, it's okay to feel this way. That you are going to have moments in your life where God feels distant and absent. The authors of the Bible felt that way. And if they did, it's okay that you do too. And actually, friends, throughout the history of the Christian church, many authors, some of the most profound works in history, have been written by people who they described as having dark nights of the soul and who, when God felt farthest away, was when they were most pressing into his presence, seeking him even if they couldn't find him. And so you're not alone if this condition has ever described you. That's the first remedy. Recognize it's not punishment and you're not alone. But second remedy that the psalm gives us, second kind of medicine that we take, is this encouragement to keep up with our spiritual disciplines. Keep up with our spiritual disciplines. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a spiritual discipline is something that you do in order to get to know God. And you'd say, well, why would I do that if I feel like God's far away? And that's why they're called disciplines. They're not always easy. Sometimes they're incredibly hard. But disciplines are things like praying or Bible reading, coming to church, worshiping, serving in the city. These are the ways that God becomes more real to us in the way that he's known among us and what the psalm is actually saying is in the midst of your spiritual dryness keep up with your spiritual disciplines you say well where does it say that think with me the whole psalm is a prayer the whole psalm is a prayer what's the psalm about god i don't feel you i don't sense you and he's telling god about it in other words he's complaining to god about his sense of god's absence it's beautifully profound That God is actually very present in a psalm that complains of his absence. And so I would encourage you, I would encourage us to be people who say, even in the midst of these hard moments, God has given us disciplines that we can engage with to know him. And you say, Well, I try and it feels futile. It's not working. Nothing is happening. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in the book of 2 Kings there's a drought in the land of Israel, there's no rain coming. And the prophet comes to the people and says, hey, start digging ditches because the rain's going to come. And the people say, what do you, why would we dig ditches? It hasn't rained. It's not going to rain. That's a waste of time and energy. And the prophet says, dig ditches. The rain is going to come. And eventually the rain does come. And whoever dug ditches found those pools filled with the abundance of rain that God had sent. Spiritual disciplines are the way you dig your ditches. And friends, the rain will come, and when it does, you will be happy to have them filled with God's presence as you've engaged in the spiritual disciplines that we have. So, keep up with your spiritual disciplines. The third remedy, and in many ways, the most important from this psalm, is learn to preach the gospel to yourself. Learn to preach the gospel to yourself. This is what we see in verse 5, and then in verse 11. Let me just read. The verses are exactly the same, but let me just read one of them. The psalmist says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here's what the psalmist is doing. He's talking to himself. He's almost grabbing himself by the shoulders and looking at himself and saying, soul, why are you weighed down? Hope in God you are going to praise him again. You know what he's doing? He's taking truth that he knows about God, even if he doesn't feel it, and he's working it into the center of his soul. He's preaching the gospel to himself. He's telling himself truth about who God is and about what God is going to do even when he doesn't feel it. And I ask you, do you know how to do that? It's an art in spiritual life to be able to preach the gospel to yourself, to proclaim specific truth from God into your life, and especially in the midst of circumstances and conditions that feel very wearying. I'll give you an example from my own life. There was a time in my life where I was weighed down, totally discouraged, as I evaluated a decision that I needed to make, something about the future, And I was praying and I was asking God, crying out to him, please show me what to do. Please make your will clear. I just want to obey you. Just tell me what to do. And it was like silence, nothing. And I was weighed down. And then I read from the book of Joshua, where God comes to Joshua and says, in effect, to a man who was also timid and weighed down by his future, God says to Joshua, Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged because I will be with you wherever you go. And in that moment, God took that promise and he spoke it into my soul. Because I was saying to God, show me what to do and I'll follow you. And God said, no, I want you to believe that I'm with you no matter what you do. And I said, okay, I have to trust. And it wasn't magical, it wasn't instantaneous, but I was able to take that truth and take that promise and meditate on it. And speak that truth into my soul. And slowly, it brought relief, it brought comfort, and it brought encouragement. The psalmist is saying take truth about God and talk it into yourself. Learn to preach the gospel, learn to take the truth in hand and apply it to your soul. Those are the remedies. But I have to tell you, as essential and as important they are, they're not enough. You don't just need the remedies. But we also need, and in conclusion, the great physician. We need a great physician. Because, you know, the Psalm says, put your hope in God. But we know that hoping, especially in hard times, is really difficult. So on what basis can we hope? And here's the answer as we conclude our sermon. The reason we have a foundation for hope, the reason we can hope in God even in the hardest moments, Is because the Lord Jesus Christ actually himself experienced Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is not just a prayer to Jesus, it's actually a prayer of Jesus. Psalm 42 is experienced by Jesus himself. You say, What do you mean? On the night before his death, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was about to be betrayed by his friends, falsely accused, and condemned to die. And in that moment, when Jesus went into the presence of God to pray, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. That's the same kind of language of Psalm 42, my soul is downcast. Jesus is saying, I'm not just downcast, I'm dying because of how overwhelmed my soul is. Jesus would be betrayed and he would be hung on a cross And as Jesus was dying there on that cross, he cries out saying, I thirst. And that thirst was not just a physical thirst, it was a spiritual thirst. As he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you remember the psalmist in 42 says, why has God forgotten me? That's Jesus' language on the cross. In other words, Jesus, as he dies on the cross, is plunged into the ultimate spiritual dryness in which God feels absent, in which God feels distant, in which God has literally forsaken his son in that moment. Why is that happening? Because Jesus is dying not as an example. He's dying as a substitute. He's dying in your place. And he's taking upon himself all of our sin, all of our rebellion against God, all of our shortcomings. He's taking it upon himself, and he's plunged into the ultimate spiritual dryness. The waves literally break on him, the waves of God's wrath. And what does that mean? It means that in your seasons of spiritual dryness, which are real, you're not actually ultimately alone. And those seasons of spiritual dryness cannot last forever. Because Jesus was plunged into the ultimate spiritual dryness for you, your spiritual dryness cannot go on forever and you're not alone in the midst of it. Jesus isn't just our example, he's our savior and our hero who experienced Psalm 42 for us. And so how do we respond? What do we do in light of a sermon like this? We rejoice in the finished work of Jesus. For some of you today, this Psalm feels more abstract. You say, I'm not really in a season of spiritual dryness. You probably will be in the future. (laughs) So you need to take this to heart, but for others, this is deeply personal and it describes your condition right now. What do we need? We need Jesus. Yes, we need the remedies, but we need more than that the great physician, the one who was plunged into the ultimate spiritual dryness for us, that we might know even when we can't feel it, God is with us. And so as we close and prepare to respond in music and singing, I wanna read to you a quote, it's a long quote, but I wanna read to you a quote about the sufficiency of Jesus for those who are downcast and distressed. And so listen now, maybe close your eyes and listen as we prepare to come to this time of singing. But this is William Bridge writing in a book called A Lifting Up for the Downcast. And he says this, The scriptures hold forth Christ in such terms as make him very gentle for weary people so are you accused by Satan or the world or your own conscience? Well, Christ is called your advocate. Are you ignorant? Jesus is called the teacher. Are you guilty of sin? Jesus is your sacrifice and high priest. Are you afflicted with many enemies inward and outward? Jesus is called king and the king of kings are you in dire straits? Jesus is called your way. Are you hungry or thirsty? Jesus is the bread and water of life. Are you afraid that you shall fall away and be condemned at the very end? Well, Jesus is our second Adam, a public person in whose death we died, in whose life we live, the rock on which we stand. Let's pray. Our great God, we confess that in our seasons of spiritual dryness, we need Jesus. And so now, as we come to this time of response, we pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would make Jesus real to us, that we would encounter him in fresh and deep ways, that we would be honest about our struggles and how we're downcast and discouraged, that we would bring our whole selves to you and find you to be gracious and gentle and kind weary souls. Help us to experience Jesus now, we pray, doing so together in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a time of response. This is a time to bring your whole self to God. And so we have a couple of songs now which will be sung. During this time, respond to God. You can do that by standing or kneeling, just remain sitting. You can do that also. We have leaders in the church, they're there with lanyards and they would be happy to pray with and to pray for you. If there's something that you heard today that has struck you and want prayer with someone else, maybe something going on in your life that you know you need God to show up and take advantage of the fact that we have brothers and sisters, leaders in the church just there in the back who are there to pray with and to pray for you. But this is now a time to respond. So let's do that now as Jake and Joy lead us.